Thank you for joining us for this episode. If you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, or iHeart, hit that subscribe or follow button. This will allow you to get a notification each time we launch a new episode. shared is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. Welcome to the Imagination Health and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Scott, and I'm here with my co-host and friend, Clement Norris. And we are happy to have you here today joining us for this podcast, this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome again. It's always a pleasure, and we appreciate you all taking the uh, time to listen to the podcast. Correct, Carol? That is correct. We love our listeners. I have referred to our listeners as the Imagination Nation. And I think Clement got a chuckle out of that. I like that. I like that. That sounds like that would be a nice little slogan, Imagination Nation. We appreciate any prayers that you put out there for us. And of course, we are always praying for all of our listeners. Yes. Uh, on today's episode, you know, and I tell Carol this often, I said, Carol, you know, I really try to avoid things I think that may be too controversial or what have you. And, and I, I still do. I, that is hopefully my plan today. But I want to, and it's almost avoidable. You know, we got the COVID-19 situation going on. And I want to talk about a health issue that I think deserves some attention. If you've been paying uh, close attention to the news recently, uh, it has been reported on more than one occasion that many churches or I don't even know if I should say many, maybe I, maybe it'd be better if I said some churches around the country, the pastors are insisting on having church services despite the uh, state, uh, federal and local request to, to, for people to shelter in place, uh, to close the churches. This is uh, something I was looking at from Rutgers. I believe is how you pronounce it, R-E-U-T-E-R-S. Uh, it says some churches are saying their rights to worship in person outweighs public health officials' warnings against holding large gatherings during the coronavirus outbreak, which I thought was kind of interesting. And this was in today's uh, Rutgers. Uh, that they they believe that their right to worship outweighs the public health officials' warnings against holding large gatherings and, uh, during the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, some of you all in the listening audience, and I don't know about you, Carol, did you, did you hear about what happened in Florida? Uh, yes, I did. With the uh, church and the pastor. I want to make sure we talking about, of course, the same event. So what did you, what did you hear happen? 
Are you talking about the pastor that wasn't there a pastor arrested in Florida? Yes, that's exactly correct. Mm -hmm. And why was he arrested? Well, he held church services. He defied the the state's uh, mandate. Yeah, the mayor and the governor, the local county officials, and he held a service and he got arrested after he got out. From what I recall seeing on the news, he remained defiant and insisted that he was going to uh, have a service uh, again anyway. Now, I didn't know uh, that part. But. Yeah, if, if my memory serves me correctly, I, you know, and I told you before, I'm a bit of a news junkie. Yes. But he, he came out defiant and said he was going to have, and, and since then there have been, and now there, I think it's fair to say that uh, most churches across the country have uh, complied with the shelter in place order and they have suspended their services and i'm going to talk about that a little bit later because uh looking at some of these other things that they have decided to do that doesn't change the fact that you still have some churches around the country that continue to have services some of them are small uh, churches you know probably less than 100 members and some of them are are, are fairly large uh, based off of what's been shown in the news and, and in some of the uh news reports. Some of these churches uh, are, have memberships of 1,000 members or more. Uh, one in particular, I think I said uh, 2,000 uh, members. And so I wanted to look into that. And by all means, you know, I would love feedback from the from the listening audience, because maybe maybe there's something here we're missing, or maybe there's something that uh, they can uh, add to the discussion to, to, to kind of help give all of us some clarity on it, because I don't I don't think any of us know uh, all of everything, so it's, it's, it would definitely be helpful. But I, I was reading the response from these churches where they talk about the liberty that they have and that liberty they believe really puts them in a position where it, they, it, it literally outweighs the public health officials warning against holding large gatherings during uh, the coronavirus outbreak. And it made me think about something that the Apostle Paul wrote, Carol. Mm-hmm. Because it obviously talking about their liberty in Christ, and they feel that outweighs the uh, local authorities' ability to tell them not to have service. But Paul wrote in First Corinthians chapter six and verse twelve. First Corinthians chapter six and verse twelve, he says, "All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any." So I, I think it's right to say, to hold the position that you have a, a right, a liberty, if you will, to uh, hold a church service. Mm-hmm. But having the right to do it doesn't necessarily mean you should do it. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Oh, yes. The fact that I have the right to do it doesn't mean that I should do it. I obviously have to weigh the consequences and based on weighing those consequences, it, I may decide that it's in the best interest of the uh, church uh, to not have the church service, to comply with the local officials and consider other alternatives. And so I just want us to think about that. Uh, we may not come to a specific conclusion. We may come to a specific conclusion, but It's just something I want us to think about with this particular episode. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to touch on a couple of things 
Uh, one is from what the Apostle Peter wrote, and another one being from what the Apostle Paul wrote. Or I guess I should say uh, what the Apostle Peter said in the book of Acts, chapter 5 and verse 29, because if my memory serves me correctly, Luke actually was the uh, writer of the book of Acts. And, and in Acts, he's emphasizing something that Peter said. And he says that Peter says, and the Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. We must obey God rather than human beings. And as we go through this discussion, I want the uh, artists to keep that in mind. He says, we're to obey God rather than human beings. But in the apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 13 and verse 1, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. So when we have the government, president, the governor, the mayor, or whoever else in there uh, might be in the mix, when we have these people in position, when they're in power, unless these individuals are telling us something, they're acquiring something of us, it defies the will of God, something they, they're asking us to do something immoral. Then, as Peter and the other apostles said, we're to obey God rather than man. But the way I'm also reading this from the apostle Paul is that God has given these people some authority. He has given them some power. They wouldn't even be in position if God did not have them there. Now, of course, obviously, all politicians are not you know, good. They, you know, don't seem to have the best interest of the uh, public in mind. But if they're in that position, they're, they're only there because God allowed them to be. And if those individuals are uh, passing laws that are really designed, when you look at the ten, intent of them, they're really designed to uh, protect the public. And sometimes protecting the public means protecting us from ourselves then we have to look at those as though God himself told us. You know, one of the, I think, probably a typical example would be the street lights out there, outside on the streets. I cannot take you into the Bible and show you anywhere where God said that you should stop at a street light when the light turns red. I can't, I can't show you that in the Bible. And I'd be shocked if anybody else can. If they do, you probably need to run because they wrote that in there themselves. But there are people in certain public positions who pass, you know, legislators who pass certain uh, ordinances and laws. And they say, when you come up to that red light, you should stop because there could be another car coming or somebody could be walking the street. In other words, the law is designed to protect the public. And therefore, I should treat that as though it came from God. When I come up to a red light, I need to be respectful, be mindful of that. And I need to stop We're talking about public health. Now, uh, let me be clear, Carol. Mm -hmm. When I come up to that, that light and it's red, you know, I'm in America. We call it the land of the what, Carol? Free. The land of the free. Mm-hmm. So I do have a freedom to keep hitting the gas and keep driving, even though that light turned red. Mm -hmm. But what, what will probably happen, Carol? You'll probably get an accident 
And not only that, if you hurt someone, you're definitely going to go to jail, but you'll get a ticket. There will be consequences for your breaking the law. Exactly. And somebody actually ended up losing their life because I decided to use my liberty to ignore the red light law and to keep going. Right. So, so, so I hope that makes sense, but it's just a small example of hopefully putting some context to this idea or this notion about what we have the liberty to do because we do have the liberty to do that we have the liberty in christ to do a lot of things i have the liberty in christ to eat all the saturated fat i want to i have the freedom to do that in christ Mm -hmm. i have the freedom in christ to be as sedentary as i want to i can sit on the couch every day all day i have that liberty Mm -hmm. but i will be seriously deluding myself if I did not acknowledge the fact that there are going to be adverse consequences to that liberty, mm-hmm. consequences that I'm definitely uh, at some point going to regret. And so we got to be careful when we're talking about what we have the liberty to do and the liberty not to do. I don't see, and Carol, I'd be interested if you, maybe you see what I don't see. Maybe somebody out there in the audience see what I don't see. And if that's the case, please, 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 please leave us a a message in the comment section so that, so that, you know, don't keep it to yourself. Bless all the rest of us. We all want to be edified. Bless us all and let us know what it is. But I don't see how sheltering in place contradicts anything God has told us to do or anything that he has prohibited us from doing. I just don't see it. Carol? Yeah, absolutely right. There, there are alternatives and you will- Well, I don't even want to talk about the alternatives right now. All I want to know is, you know, from you or somebody out there in the audience, it, it, unless I'm totally missing it, where, wh- in what way is uh, the officials telling me to shelter in place? How was that going against God? The only thing that I was going to say is, if talking about attorneys, if there was no other way for me to be in touch with God, to be to be able to assemble together, if there was no other way, then I would say that there was something that was against what God says. But there, there are other ways to do it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, there are possibly alternatives. But and I get that, and I, I respect and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You know, because right now I'm I'm really kind of looking at this, taking it really at face value. In other words, so what if they told me to shelter in place and them telling me to shelter in place meant that I could not, I could not in any way worship God if by them telling me to shelter in place? That's a good question. That's a good question. Now, what, 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 what I want us to do is I want us to actually get there. Okay. But, but since you asked the question, I'm going to touch on it just a little bit. Okay. That's one of the things I love about recording. You're recording. Then the person, you know, they can't say they didn't say what they just said because it's recorded, mm-hmm. right? That applies even to me, right? Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying when I ask that question is, telling me to shelter in place does not stop me from worshiping God. That's correct. They ain't stopped me from, I, I, I just don't see it. And, and again, I got, somebody else may come out here and say, say something different, show me something different. By all means, please do. I would love it. I'm not trying to be so carved in stone that it's some. God can't use somebody else to shed some light, but I just don't see it. I don't see how 
government officials who are looking out for the best interest of the public and say to me, and, there's, and, and not just say it to me, but I see some evidence showing it, that this thing is causing harm and you all getting together is causing it to spread rapidly. It could potentially be far worse. What we want you to do is shelter in place. I'm not seeing where sheltering in place, even if I eliminate the other alternative, which I'm still going to touch on, even if I eliminate the other alternatives, in what way does that violate what Peter and the other disciples said? I don't see how it violates what they said because it's, it does not stop me from worshiping. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't stop me from worshiping at all. So, but obviously what the, when the government officials said shelter in place, that clearly, as we all know, has a, had an, or was supposed to have an impact on the churches okay. by limiting church services. And then in, in a lot of cases, some of them, they literally uh, closed them down. There was a few instances where there were church services, but the church was being held in, not in a, the church did not own the, the place where they were having services at. They may have been re meeting in some uh, shopping area, whatever. And the, the owner of the place came and locked the doors mm -hmm. so that they can't get in to have services based on the, the uh, shelter in place that came down from the government because that owner didn't want to get penalized financially for allowing the church service to still go on. Right. So in some cases, people are being locked out, but you got some, it's a few, because the majority have been compliant, but you have some who have been defiant and says, uh, no, I'm still going to have the church service. Clement, I'd like to say something. Go because, for it. Uh, I'm, I'm a news junkie too. I am just listening to different types of news sources. I have heard where there are some individuals that say it's funny that some people can still go to the grocery stores. You can still go to a Walmart. They're taking some, some precautions. And then there are some churches I've seen on the news where the pastor has said, well, we have taken precautions so that as to sort of prevent the spread, we're still doing social distancing in there. We still have the hand sanitizer and also all things like that in place in these services. So what's the difference between the people going to Walmart? Why can't they go to Walmart and still do their shopping? And yet we can't worship. Now, that's the other side of the thing that I've heard as well. You want to address that? Now, some of y'all thought Carol was quiet. I am. I am. Very. <laughs> it's just what I've heard. <laughs> Listen, and you have heard well. <laughs> uh, um, you know, one of the things that came along, and I think that's a valid point. One of the, one of the things that came along out of all this was this, this idea or this notion of essential services. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so along with the shelter-in-place order, it's also linked this idea of essential service. Clearly there have been some debate mm -hmm. about what should be defined as an essential service and what should not be defined as an essential service. Me personally, I consider church to be an essential service. I can tell by that passion in your voice, Carol, that you also consider church to be an essential service. I and I, I bet you if I could go out and do some kind of survey with most people, particularly those who actually attend church, because uh, believe it or not, the numbers are dropping less, fewer and fewer people are actually attending church in America today. Mm -hmm. But if I went out and surveyed the ones who still are, especially in the older population, they're going to agree with you and I. They're going to say, well, I consider that an essential service. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So you'd have to get into the nuts and bolts of what's considered an essential service and why. And to be perfectly honest with you, I don't know the exact specific reason, but I think some of the rationale behind that is, is that there's some things you just simply cannot do at home. I do not have a grocery store at home. I, I cannot get the toilet papers and the waters and the so on and so forth, the stuff that I need. There are, there are some car dealerships. And when I say car dealerships, I mean they do car repair work. Some of those were considered essential. They're still open. So I don't know all the details of why, but it, at least for right now, again, unless the audience presents something different to me, but right now, to me, that makes sense because it goes back to what I said before. Although I agree with you that it's essential because it's essential to me, it's still not something that I need to go to a building for. Oh, absolutely. So I do appreciate uh, and value your point. So what I what I wanted to look at is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. He said this in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16. He said, be ye therefore wise as serpents mm-hmm. and harmless as doves. Mm-hmm. Now, when I look at that, I'm going to change it around a little bit. So I'm going to take what Jesus said. And for me, Jesus is saying, uh, Clement, you got the COVID-19 situation. You have the uh, shelter in uh, place restriction. So what I want you to do, Clement, is be creative about worship. Be ye therefore wise. Mm -hmm. You do not have to not worship because you can't step into the building. Correct. What what, what are you going to do one day if, God forbid, the, the world goes into chaos? you know, like it, like it did in some communist countries, mm-hmm. especially in their early development. And they uh, locked the doors of the church, start killing off those who claim to be Christian, Muslim, or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do then? Are you going to say, oh, I can't worship because I can't get into the church. They burnt it down. The church building is destroyed. That wouldn't stop me from thinking I couldn't worship. So what I have to do is say, well, I got to just be creative about it. And from what I've seen, a few cases, some more obvious, I think most people are probably more familiar with, but I saw something I thought was actually pretty ingenious. I thought whoever thought of this creative form of worship, I thought, huh, this is pretty impressive. Does it mean it's going to work for everybody? Of course not, but it was creative. And they had, and you probably heard about it on the news, the, the, the pastor had, they, they had a, a fairly nice sized parking lot. They, they still had all the people drive in. They all got in a parking space, parked their cars facing the church. The church had a, a little mock shift, uh, makeshift podium put up there, a, a stand where they can get up there. And, and the people stayed in their cars, rolled down their windows, because that way they were uh, definitely keeping the spacing that they were supposed to be keeping from each other. And they conducted the service that way. I thought that was actually very creative. Mm-hmm. Very, I thought it was very creative. To pull the cars up there, they had the mics out there. I saw another one where they had it set up where the people can not only stay in their cars, but they could they had a they could go to I think a certain radio station or something or something that they gave them, kind of like going to a drive-in movie theater. And the pastor was there, you know, they did they he did his sermon, they did their thing, and everybody stayed in their car. Mm-hmm. And if anybody had to come up to a car for for example to do the uh, pick up maybe tithes or offerings or or maybe even a communion service. Mm-hmm. The per- people who came up had on their face masks, they had on their gloves, and the people just rolled down the window. They gave or did their little thing, and then the person kept moving. Again, limiting contact 
and making sure you did not spread the virus. Mm -hmm. There's online services. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with that. Oh, yeah, we do it at our church, live streaming. Yeah, mm -hmm. you get a smaller, tighter crew. Mm -hmm. You try your best to make sure that all those people understand they need to stay away from each other. Mm -hmm. You go online and you have a service. Mm -hmm. You have some people doing stuff over the phone. Mm -hmm. I forgot what they call them, but like phone line something, but you call over the phone. The conference, uh, calls. Mm -hmm. conference call, thank you. Mm -hmm. You can do conference calls. That I've seen literally popping up all these prayer line conference calls that people are making. You have Zoom. Mm -hmm. You know, people can have meetings on Zoom and you can put a lot of people on there. Mm -hmm. Some people are doing that to have a church service. And then there's always home. Even if it's just with you and your family. Carol, I mean, really correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. But according to the Holy Spirit, wherever two or three were gathered in his name, he said that's where he's at. That is correct. Matthew, that's right. That's a worship service. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand the defiance or taking on this view that I'm going to put my foot down and be just absolutely defiant. As though I'm doing this great spiritual charge by God. Mm -hmm. I don't see where the order to shelter in place is stopping the person from worship. If anything, it's making them be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. It's making them come up with creative ways of doing it. Mm -hmm. Now, when we look at the COVID-19, and I, and I think this has been talked about in the news to nausea, COVID-19 is a respiratory disease. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a virus from the COVID family. Apparently, they love lungs. When they, once they get attached to the lung, they can cause inflammation in the lung. I think it's fair to say the general term for that is you end up with pneumonia, mm -hmm. possibly even some scarring, you know, some damage to the lung. I don't know for certain, but it just seems like that is probably something that comes out of it especially when you reach to the point that it, it kills you. I, 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 I'm almost scared to give a number because by the time you give one, that number changes by the next day. But I think as of yesterday, it's probably somewhere between 14 to 16,000 people that have died so far from the virus. Now, what apparently the, the, the experts, the health experts keep saying is there's certain things that are putting people in a high risk of dying. Number one, people who tend to be 65 years and older, appear to be at higher risk, and they seem, seem to also have a, a higher likelihood of dying from the virus. Even more importantly, when they have comorbidities. Carol, help me out a little bit. So when, you, when I say comorbidities, kind of help the listeners understand what comorbidity is. Comorbidities are uh, other health problems that you have going on. For exactly. Instance, yeah, you may have hypertension, diabetes, other health issues. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You got other health problems that are going on, and it's going to have a much more dramatic impact if the other health problem you have is a respiratory health problem or something that, in somehow, some way, has a significant impact on the respiratory system. For example, like hypertension. You get hypertension, that could have a damaging effect on the, uh, the lungs. 
And so we see, it seems to be the case anyway, fairly consistently, uh, people with something like asthma. As a matter of fact, I, I, I have asthma. And because of my age uh, and my asthma, the, the doctor actually uh, put in a medical exemption for me to lower the chances of me getting the uh, virus because it would not be obviously in my best interest, especially especially at this time of the year. I don't know if you've checked, Carol, but the pollen count, it's been extremely high. Yeah. I, think, I think in the last couple of weeks or so, almost every day, it seems like it breaks a record. Well, the problem is it's getting so high, it's been kicking off my asthma a little bit more than my asthma normally kicks off. I, literally, I can literally hear the gurgling and the, the wheezing and stuff so going on in my lungs. And I find myself, I could sometimes go probably a whole summer, maybe hit the asthma pump maybe once. There's been a couple of summers I probably went and didn't have to hit it at all. Uh, but whenever the, the, the pollen count gets so high, like it is now, because I think last time I checked, it was over 4,000 something. I've had to hit it a few times. You know, sometimes at night you can't sleep unless you hit it. Mm -hmm. So clearly if you have something like asthma or some other kind of comorbidity, even something like the weight, if you're in the range of obese, morbidly obese, right? Because a lot of those people usually are on CPAP. They already have a difficult time breathing. They, they can't lay down flat. Mm -hmm. uh, am I right, Carol? That's correct. They always got to be elevated. So if I got all these kind of things going on with me, that puts me at a higher risk if I get that virus. It puts me at a higher risk of, of, uh, of possibly dying from this virus. So keep that in mind, that the fact that these things put at a higher risk. The age, comorbidities, they put at a much higher risk of uh, dying from that disease once we get it. So now stick with me because I want to try to make sure I, I blend this all together well. Because I already said a few minutes ago that the church attendance in the United States, it has been on a decline. Uh, it's my prayer that that will uh, change and hopefully change soon. But it has been on a decline. But despite that decline, despite the decline, I think it's fair to say it. I think most people would agree, if not all people, that in a lot of cases, with that decline, most if not all those church members, they tend to be in the range of 65 years and older. What do you think, Carol? Yeah, most of them, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Most, and, if, and if a person wanted to argue with me and say, well, what about maybe 60, 55? I wouldn't, you know, my head wouldn't blow up. But from what I've looked at, it seems like it's fair to say that a good portion of them, matter of fact, if we're honest about it, a lot of times, it's the older members who are the backbones of the church. Correct. That's they're there doing a, a, the stuff that a lot of the younger people aren't doing and don't want to do. Yes, correct. Am I keeping it real? Yes, you are. So a lot of those, the times it's that older population, those who are 65 years and older, who are actually at the church. They're, going, they're, they're the ones who are more likely to attend church service. According to, I believe it was the Gallup poll, it says 68% of traditionalists, which they define as people born before 1945, 68% attend church service. The, another one I looked at said 60% of the people 65 years and older attend church service. Did you get those numbers, Kara? Mm-hmm. That's a high percentage. Do, do, do those numbers sound outlandish to you? Do they sound like they're probably not true? 
You know, they sound pretty true. Yeah, I mean, when I go sit in church and I just kind of, you know, if I sit there and kind of look around, mm-hmm. those those numbers look kind of, they look kind of like they could be pretty accurate to me. Yep. About 68% to 60% of those people are probably in the age of 65 and older. Mm-hmm. And I mean, who are we kidding? If you're 64, you're close enough to it, right? Right, right. So I, I looked at those numbers. That means these people by the mere fact of their age, they're already at a higher risk if they get the virus. Mm -hmm. Over 50% of many of the churches, because their membership is of the age, about 60 to 68% of their membership is of the age of of 65 and older, or close to 65. Mm -hmm. That in and of itself already just put them at higher risk of dying if they get the virus. Now, I also think it's fair to say, and I didn't pull up a study or statistics, but, you know, by all means, if you're out there in the uh, listening audience, help a brother out, as they say, because you all can go look it up. I'm going to say what I'm going to say because I feel thoroughly confident that this is true, especially because I'm headed there myself. But by the time somebody get to the age of 65, and I think it's fair to say in most cases well before that, I would actually say probably around between 55 and 65, and some people probably would argue 50. But by the time you get around 65 years old, you have at least probably one already diagnosed disease. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Carol? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. You have at least one. At least one. And I also think it's fair to say, because if you can go around and probably talk to all the members of your church that's 65 years old, I bet you that all of them, or at least the vast majority of them, 99.9%, are going to say they have at least one disease. Mm -hmm. And I bet you that whatever that disease is, is chronic. Mm -hmm. And I bet you it's it's most likely one of the risk factors for COVID-19. What do I mean? What I mean is, and I'm going based off what the health experts say. I mean, I'm not making this up. What I mean is there's probably going to be, a, especially if I go into an African-American church, if I go in there, I'll be shocked if a lot of them don't tell me that they are uh, hypertensive. Mm-hmm. I'll be shocked if some of them don't say, you know, I'm both hypertensive and have diabetes. Mm-hmm. If I go in any of the churches, white, black, orange, brown, pink, it doesn't matter. I'm, there's going to be some smokers in there that's 65 and older. Mm-hmm. Smoke pipes, smoke cigars, smoke cigarettes. 65 and over, they just bumped up a little higher on the likelihood of dying. They're higher risk, according to the health experts, if they get that virus. If you look at, I think, any survey on churches, I think another thing that you will see is that the majority of church membership is usually held by women. A lot of times, the, the membership, the total number, the majority of the members tend to be females. So if I have a lot of female, and don't get me wrong, because I'm not trying to eliminate the men by no means, but I'm trying my best to put a little perspective to this. Because why would I want to put all those women at risk? Am I making any sense, Carol? Yes, you are. Why would I want to put all those women at risk? They, they, I got a, here I have the majority of my church. Now, one of the studies I looked at, and I saw it uh, yesterday, and then it was, when I looked on the web, it was on there again this morning. In some areas, it seems like the virus, it, it seems like, if my memory serves me correctly, mm-hmm. it might have, it probably has killed more men up to this point than, than women. 
That's what I've heard on the news. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's killing more men. So why would I want to put those men at that risk? Mm-hmm. Why would I say, well, I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to be defined and have this church service anyway. Have these guys come in here knowing that there's a possibility that at least 50% of my members are 65 and older mm-hmm. and have at least one of these other risk factors, which is they may have hypertension, they may have uh, uh, asthma, they, they may smoke cigarettes, they may be uh, morbidly obese. They have all these things that are going on that's already affecting their ability to breathe. And me exposing them to this, especially when I have plenty of evidence to show from other churches that after a service, after some event, after a wedding, several cases after a funeral, that multiple people got exposed to the virus. And out of those multiple people, some of those people actually died and the impact that that's having on their families. But I'm still going to be defined and have a church service and try to demonize the local officials, the city councils, the mayors, the, the governors, the president, I'm going to try to demonize them instead of taking ownership of the fact that I'm still having this church service. This seems to probably be unnecessary mm-hmm. because there, there are other creative things we can do. I mean, at, at some point, I would, and this is just me, I would kind of be kind of questioning the motive of why are you so insistent on us coming to the building to have service? And I don't know what their actual reason could be. I don't know. I know that when you're dealing with people somewhere, somehow, in some way, shape, or form, money always ends up probably. You ever heard that old expression, Carol, follow the money? Yes. And, and, and maybe there's the, maybe some of these guys feel like if I don't have church service, mm-hmm. they ain't gonna bring their tithes and offerings. And I, so maybe I, they, maybe I, I pray that that's not the case because that's the epitome. Yeah, maybe, maybe they're concerned that you know if I don't have a service, they're not going to bring that, and, they, and they're probably not going to try to make it up later. I don't know, but it make it does make me question the motive for why would you want to put those members' life in that position. You're talking about, like I said before, when you look at a lot of the older members in the church, a lot of times it's those older members in the church who's coming doing the cleaning, setting up for the programs, doing the rostrums. They're more reliable than the younger members are who volunteer to do those things. Mm -hmm. A lot of those older members are, uh, they're volunteering. They're not getting paid. A lot of those older members are more, more reliable and more consistent when it comes to returning tithes and offerings. Why would you want to jeopardize that population in your church? I just don't get it. You know, when I, when I look in the Bible, I was thinking about the Genesis chapter 4 and verse 9. And in that text, well, this is what the verse says. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel, thy brother? Mm-hmm. And he said, I know not. And it's this question that he asks at the end. Mm -hmm. He says, am I my brother's keeper? Mm -hmm. What do you think the answer to that question was? Could have been yes. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. The answer to that question is yes. 
that the, the answer to the question is yes. All we have to do is look throughout the New Testament. All we have to do is pay attention to the words of Jesus Christ. Uh, I think literally everything he said, almost everything he talked about, it was answering that question. Yes, you're your brother's keeper. Yes, th these are your neighbors. So why, why would I knowingly, it ain't like, you know, and I get it, you know, I can understand some people going to make the argument about faith and so on and so forth, and maybe we can have a discussion about that. Because when you're talking about faith in the Bible, you got to be careful about the context you're reading it in and how you and the usage. And I get all that, but it's not like you're doing something blindly. You know that this is out here, and you decide, despite the fact that you know that it's out there, you say, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this risk anyway." Now it reminds me of when Jesus was in the wilderness. And in Matthew chapter four and verse six, the verse says, and saith unto him. Now this is the devil, Carol. He's mm -hmm. talking to Jesus. Mm -hmm. He says, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. In their hands, they shall bear thee up lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus responds to him by saying, it is written again, mm -hmm. thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Mm -hmm. Why would I want to tempt God by uh, having all these people come in here, knowing the risk, and say, oh yeah, we're going to do this anyway. Why? I'm going to be defiant about it. To me, it is, literally, it's a sense of saying, uh, we're going to tempt God, especially when we know better and we know we don't have to do this. And by not doing this, we're not going against anything God told us to do. So why put those members, mm -hmm. those brothers and sisters in Christ, those neighbors, why put them in such a precarious position and having them feel like they got to question their faith if they don't show up because you're calling a church service. So I have uh, a question for you because I know right this while you were talking. So for whatever reason that it is being done for the people who are doing this, if you step back and look at it, does it not appear that it is an act of selfishness for them to do that? Well, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be kind and gentle. Well, but I, we're I'm, talking I'm, about I'm, lives. I'm, well, yeah, but I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to focus more on looking at the motive or trying to understand the motive anyway. Well, whatever the motive is though, that's the point. It has to, to be a selfish motive and not a loving motive. Because if you love those people who are supposed to be your flock, okay, Jesus, Jesus was the good shepherd, was he not? And yes, he, he, would was. Not, he would not put any of those sheep in danger. He gave his life for the sheep. So if you know the dangers, why would you put your sheep in those predicaments? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand what it is the pastor, whoever uh, the pastor is, I don't understand what it is they're determined to try to prove, uh, especially in a situation where it just, it really just doesn't seem 
necessary. As we go through this life, there will be plenty of opportunities for us to stand up for Christ. Yes. Plenty of them. Yes. So why do it in a situation where it seems unnecessary? Mm-hmm. Jesus said in this, this life, he said, we shall have tribulation. And there's going to keep being tribulation. It's kind of an odd thing to me. You can go to people about something in the Bible, and it could be a clear as day. It could be a thus saith the Lord. Uh, you can show them that this is what Jesus did, and they will buck it. They, they uh, try to find some way to get around it. But yet you go to them about something that has really, really nothing to do with anything. And that they want to they go on a war path for, mm-hmm. even though it's going to literally jeopardize the lives of some of the flock, you, you're your brother's keeper. And I'm sure there's some kind of way they'll spin it if you have a service and some people get the virus and, and then after they service, they find out that some of the people are infected and they, of course, they're going to use the old famous, you know, we're just going to pray and it'll go away. But some people are probably going to end up dying. Mm-hmm. Their families are going to be hurting. Mm-hmm. Some people who probably could have been one over to the faith are going to probably be turned away from it. Mm-hmm. They'll probably think you are a, a cult. I don't understand what it is. Maybe there's some who, who are not doing it intentionally. They probably mean well. They probably sincere. Yeah. But 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 it's it's still one of those things where you have to got to really think about it. And it kind of gets down to you know what what are we doing here? What am I trying to prove? Especially when this seems so unnecessary. I'm always a little. Um, well, I was reluctant about mentioning this, but I'm always a little dismayed. I when I look at uh, some of the numbers on the podcast we did on uh, Jesus Christ and dietary fats. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, for the most part, it seems like people kind of avoid it. Mm-hmm. They can't have an opinion about it because they, they don't look like too many. The, the ones who have looked at it, I, they've had some very uh, positive responses about it because it's about health. I think the, I think the uh, podcast is very modern. But for some reason, people are probably seem to be a little gun-shy about listening to it. But I'm pretty confident if you, if you listen to that, and you look at the blessings in terms of your health that you can get from something like that. Well, if you, you're going to pull out the sword and go into a battle, go, go do it about that. Do it about something that, because that's not only about saving lives, but that's about saving your own life. Mm-hmm. It, it's about improving the quality of your own life. But taking something like being defiant about, we're going to meet and have church service and they're not going to stop us and we're going to have our Easter and we're going to do it. I keep trying to wrap my mind around it. I keep trying to get it and I'm just not getting why all that kind of passion about it when there's so many other things mm-hmm. that we really can be serious about. Now, I'm kind of close to the end. It's it's something I wanted to just wanted you to think about, Carol, all this to think about and I and I, I I hope people take it in the light. It's one of those things where they say charge it to the head and not the heart. Mm-hmm. Kelly, are you familiar with the uh it happened in nineteen seventy eight if my if my date's right, and it was the Jonestown massacre. Are you are you familiar with that? Mm, not sure. Keep talking. You know, the guy named Jim Jones. He, uh, oh. him, and some uh, he he took a whole lot of other folks. Late. Yeah, they got him down there. I believe it was South America. Yes, claiming he was going to start a whole new, I guess, a whole new town, kingdom, country, whatever it was he was talking about doing down there. Mm-hmm. And the flock followed him. Mm-hmm. 
they followed him and they got down there and long story short, when he realized that, because there was a senator from the United States that went there to find out what was going on and some people wanted to leave. So he realized, I think, when those people were going to leave that, that, that the word was going to get out on about what he was doing and how he was doing it. And they made this Kool-Aid and they poisoned the Kool-Aid and they gave it to the people. And many of those people knew the Kool-Aid was poisoned and they drank it. Uh, some of them drank it because they were they were tor- forced to drink it. They were they was, you know, it was like drink it or get shot. Some of them, but there was plenty of those people. They voluntarily drank that Kool Aid. They listened to that man, and so it, I think I think that hopefully, you know, a lot of people out there, we got to be careful, and this applies even to me. We got to be careful about putting too much focus to the point where we kind of treating that person who's bringing us this information like we're worshiping them and that we're going to follow them blindly, even though, you know, if if I'm 65 years old right now and I know I have asthma right now and probably even hypertension right now, Mm -hmm. you can call all the church services in the world you want to. I won't be there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be at home. Mm -hmm. I, I don't need to be exposing myself with my age as one risk factor, mm-hmm. my comorbidities as other risk factors. And then remember I said, you got that certain segment that's 65 and older, then you taking me and exposing me to a bunch of people who are younger than that, mm-hmm. who may be carriers, not showing any symptoms. Mm-hmm. And if you think for one minute that I'm gonna be in that type of situation and we're not gonna get close to each other, Mm-hmm. especially if we're sitting in pews you know you get around people sometimes and you just forget because it's so habit forming for us right. but you shake the hands there's always somebody in church who coughs there's always somebody in church who sneezes mm-hmm. you can say it until you turn blue in the face but there's still going to be people that are not going to show up with face masks they're not going to show up with gloves maybe they'll gel their hands maybe they won't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they have allowed somebody to convince them that, that doing those things show a lack of faith mm-hmm. in God. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think doing those things show a lack of faith in God at all. If, if anything, doing those things show faith in God to me. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, you just we have to be careful. We, as the old expression goes, don't drink the Kool-Aid. That's where that expression came from, mm-hmm. from Jonestown Massacre. Don't drink the Kool-Aid just because they're calling it and saying, hey, come on, sure. This could be about their ego. It could be about their pride. It could be about money. I don't know what the reason could be. In some cases, it could be about just this idea of genuine faith, but I still think it's a misguided faith, but in their minds, it's a genuine faith. All I'm saying is just because they put the pot out there and stirred up the Kool-Aid don't mean you don't have to drink it. I'm not talking about a drop in the membership. I'm not talking about that. Right. I'm not. I'm not talking about not loving your pastor anymore. I'm not talking about that. Mm-hmm. But we all are supposed to love Jesus more. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to follow him more. Mm-hmm. And if God has given me light, God can give us light from science. Mm-hmm. And when God gave me the light of science and the science says to me, listen, you're too old. You get around these young people, you're going to be at a higher risk. If you have some other comorbidities, you're going to be at even a higher risk. And the evidence, as they say in old school, the evidence is in the pudding, because when you look at the numbers of the people who died, and I, 
I'm just guessing, but I think it's somewhere up around maybe 16,000. When you look at that number who die and who are continuing to die, those people have those comorbidities. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons why the younger people are able to get it and probably brush it off a little bit better. Even though they did show that the studies are starting to show now that actually it is killing some younger people too. And more than what they originally thought that it was doing. Carol, you heard of the problem about Florida, the beach. Yes. And you had all those young people say, hey, a lot younger than the people who were at the churches, a lot of those young people say, hey, it's spring break. But guess what spring break is like to a lot of those young people? Church. It's like church. Yep. And they were going to make sure they made it to church service. Mm -hmm. And they got down there and they did their thing. Mm -hmm. They danced, they pranced around, they did all these other things. Just, you know, go back and look in the Bible, and it's just a little side note. You go back and look at the Bible and look at a lot of the, the, the things that people did at those pagan worship services back then. That, that's pretty much what they do at these beaches. Mm -hmm. They went to church. Now all a person has to do is go check with the Center for Disease Control, the National Institute of Health, uh, or go online. There are all kinds of things you can do. Check with the World Health Organization and go back and look and see how many of those young people actually got sick from COVID-19. Some of them died from COVID-19, and many of those kids took that COVID-19 back home to their families. Some of them were taking it back to the school. And why? because they wanted to have church at the beach. So we have that much, and of course I'm using church in a metaphor for sense. So I don't want anybody right. you know, go jumping off no ship or anything. Oh my God, he's in there with that church. <laughs> but but the, the thing I'm trying to get across, we gotta be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Be gentle, love the pastor, continue to respect the pastor, the members at the church. But if it was me and if it was some people that I knew at the church, cause you always know some more than others, Mm -hmm. They asked me, I was supposed to say, I'm not going, and I actually suggest you don't go either. Mm -hmm. But the pastor said, well, I don't care what the pastor said. The pastor ain't my God. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go and show up there knowing the risk is going to be involved. Mm -hmm. My death is not going to impact the pastor as much as it's going to impact my children and, mm -hmm. or my spouse, mm -hmm. the people who are close to me. The suffering that I'm going to have to go through, I'm going to be the one in the bed going through that suffering, knocked out with a, a ventilator tube stuck down my throat. Not him. Mm -hmm. So I, he made me well, but I'm not showing up. You know, it, it reminds me of that, that uh, old commercial that used to come on. You know, this, this helps tell my age. The, the, the old commercial used to come on. Um, it was a, a wine commercial, and it used to say, we will sell no wine before it's time. Mm -hmm. So I tell them, listen, I show up to that church when it's time to show up at the church. And the time will be is when the uh, proper officials, the experts, are saying that we have we have flattened this curve enough where we think that it would be appropriate to go ahead and you know start doing that. Mm -hmm. And if you have your tithes and your offerings and those things, that ain't about the pastor or the denomination you go to. That's about God. Mm -hmm. So th th these days, there's all kinds of ways to send that into the church without you having to actually be there. That's right. So send it in. Mm -hmm. Or just you know hold on to it. And when you go, Shocking. You know, when he sees you turn in double, oh, this is from the time, the weekend when we when we were shut down. Mm -hmm. And stay in touch with each other on the phone. Keep praying for each other. You know, there's a whole lot of things you can do. I just think it's a little, it seems to be kind of misguided to me to be so defined. And I thank God that a majority of the churches, that a majority of them all across this country mm -hmm. and the world, 
mm-hmm. have closed their doors. The officials put out the shelter in place order and they comply. Mm-hmm. And they're still reaching out to their church members. There's still things you can do. Like I said, it's a thing on the previous podcast. You know, uh, the people are getting out there and, and trying to help other people get fed. They're trying to help the school children who, who primarily get some of their meals from school. They're out there doing things, helping those people. You could do those things. Keep in mind that just because you have the liberty to do something, it doesn't necessarily mean it's in your best interest to do it. Look at the risk, weigh the risk, and just say say to yourself, listen, uh, it'll still be there. I'll go back when it opens back up, when the proper authorities say that it appears to be safe enough for, for uh, me to be exposing myself to a lot of other people. I mean, even then, we're going to still have to be careful. If we think for one minute that this is the last pandemic that we're going to have to deal with, uh, we're deluding ourselves. If you're lucky, it will be the last one you have to deal with in your lifetime. It is very possible, you know, because think about it. It wasn't that long ago, Carol, what did we have? Ebola? Ebola and the swine flu? The swine flu. I mean, a lot of these things, and there's one I, I, I'm trying to think of I, with the mosquitoes, but, but there's already been several in just our lifetime. Yeah. So if you don't think another one's coming around, you're deluding yourself. So that's why it's, it's, it's best to be wise. Any comment, Carol? We just like our listeners to know that we love you and we appreciate your listening to the podcast and listening to this episode in particular. Until next time, blessings. If you like what you've been hearing on this podcast, go to wherever you're listening to this episode and leave us a comment. If you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, or iHeart, go to the episode description and you will see the word comment. Next to the word comment, there is a URL. Type that URL in a search engine and it will take you to a page on our website where you can leave a comment at the bottom of the page. We would love to hear from you.